All right, we're here with Elora. Did I get it right? Yes, you did. Exciting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Elora knows it's dedication time. So what would you like to dedicate this episode to? Hmm. I would like to dedicate this episode to creativity and just, nice. yeah. yeah, just being bold and making your choice and just going for it. Take the risks. Yeah. I think a lot of people are scared of the risks, but do it, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, uh, myself included, <laughs> which is why the dedication is what it is. <laughs> you gotta find your style and just go with it. Mm-hmm. Take the risk. Yeah. I love yeah. it. Yeah. All right, well, let's begin the show. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the St. Paul Filmcast with your host, Nick Palatichuk. Each episode, Nick interviews filmmakers and other artists from the Twin Cities area. I'm Carly Palillo. And thanks for listening, and thanks for finding us. Please give us a review, and feel free to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And now, lights, camera, action. All right, we're back on the show, and today we have... <laughs> Alora Riley. Is Woo! that... Okay, have you met another Alora? I have. It's funny that you ask. Uh, the first one that I met was actually my freshman year of college. And she grew up in St. Paul, not too far away from me. So the, we just never wasn't crossed very, paths. Very vast. It was pretty close, right? Yeah. Well, and we didn't meet until college. Uh, she had gone to like a performing arts high school, and I had gone to a math and science high school <laughs> <laughs> for some reason. Um, yeah. But it was orientation weekend, and um, our orientation leaders had given my group these little bags of candy with our names on them. I love it. And yeah. I had left mine somewhere. And someone had taken that bag and given it to the other Alora, thinking it was hers, because that's not a common name. You, you thought it'd be safe. Like, yeah. I don't think anybody will have this name. Yeah, you know, yeah. Exactly. And then it was like, oh, there's another one. And she spells it exactly the same way. That's weird. Yeah. I don't, how did, did how did you acquire that? It's really exotic a little bit. Thank you. But it's, how did, did your parents tell you how did, the name or where oh, it yeah. derives from? Oh, yeah. It's it's actually like a good breaking the ice, getting to know me question. Oh, super. Yeah. 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 So my name is from a movie from like 1988 called Willow. Oh, I know Willow. Exactly. And I love getting that reaction, too, because so many people have no idea. They're just like, oh, it's such a pretty name. Where's it from? What's it mean? I'm like, well, it's from this movie. You probably don't know it. I'm still mad at my parents because I was 11 when that came out. And oh, yeah. I knew it was the same person did Star Wars, so I wanted mm -hmm. to see it. And my parents, like, they're super religious, and they're like, we're going to, we'll watch it before you. And it's like, I, <laughs> I want to okay. go see it in the theater, please. I want to, like, this, yeah. it's like, it's like Lord of the, it's like Star Wars, but it's like Lord of the Rings, too. Like, let's go. And then mm -hmm. they're like, we'll watch it first. And they're like, but I just went to see movie big. What is the problem? I, <laughs> I had to wait till it was like a rental. Oh. I still liked it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's still good, but you don't get that big movie theater experience then. I know. I I have a thing. I think if you remember movies far better if you saw them in theater than a rental. Mm -hmm. If you know the experience of going to theater, no matter if it's a bad movie or what, you still remember it. Like, oh, yeah, I went to the theater to see that one. Yeah. Like, you just feel it. It's it's just vastly different. So is your middle name Willow? No. <laughs> no? No. So, well, the character is named Alora Dannon. Yeah. In the movie. So I am Alora Dan and Riley. <laughs> My parents are just like copy paste. <laughs> I love your parents already. I yeah. haven't met them, but they're, yeah. So yeah, they're like, awesome. Well, yeah. they actually don't live too far from here. So. <laughs> All right. <laughs> right. So have you seen the movie? Yes. Oh, of course. <laughs> that would be super weird if I hadn't. <laughs> right. No, I haven't seen the movie. No, not at all. No. Yeah. Well, yeah. for folks who haven't seen it, it is for free on Disney Plus. I did watch yeah, it, it recently. Kind of, it is a movie. 
Well, at the time, it was one of the largest casting films. They had so many extras yes. in the movie. It was one of the largest ones. That was kind of the catch thing of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, they had to make like entire towns and villages. Yeah. And just actually fill it out because it was made in the late 80s. You're, you're not going to have like the CGI to digitally no, no, insert right, people. Yeah, just CGI. Yeah, yeah just yeah. Eh, we'll put in like 10,000 of the same person in there. And editing, as we always say, right? Yeah. So did your parents are part of like theater and acting or the movies? and? Not exactly. My My dad's more of the performer than my mom. Um, I mean, they're both like hilarious and funny and lovely, but my dad, he's a musician as well. So he'll perform and he likes being with people and being in public a lot more than my mom does. (laughs) (laughs) Like I just saw him, he was performing for uh, St. Patrick's Day and... Like doing like a march, the the band or like parade or... Not the parade, but... uh, it, it was a smaller group. Uh, they're called Machinery Hill, if you care. I love it. <laughs> yeah, they were super fun. They they do a really awesome show. Um, but my dad plays a little button box concertina. This is, so, <laughs> this is awesome. Yeah. Just like, here's all of the <laughs> nerdy like, stuff. Like a little suitcase and like, boop. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, there are certain songs that he wasn't playing on, so he would just wander around the crowd with the tip jar and just like talk with people and be like, hey, by the way, if you have a couple bucks on you, <laughs> go ahead. Here's the jar. So do you do, your dad does music. Do you do music? I haven't for a while, but it was a requirement when I was a kid. Okay. So I I started with piano lessons pretty early on. I think I was like six or seven against my will. (laughs) I didn't want to do it. I think that's how everybody starts with the piano. Well, right. Yeah. But I am really grateful that they forced me to do something. (laughs) Well, I had a friend, or uh, it was a female friend. Her name was Jessie, and she was accomplished in piano. And, of course, one of the high school parties happened, and there was a piano at the house. She would just get out there and play Journey on the piano. And of course oh, sure. Like, yeah. <laughs> and then we are like, she was taking, like, requests, like, do piano, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, you got it. All right. Cracks, knuckles. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so if, we, if you know we're at a high school party and bringing the Zima and the Bud Light, and then we hear the piano, we're like, Jessie's here. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> I was definitely not that great. Well, okay. So I... I performed a lot of like classical pieces. Right. I was more that. Yeah. That's what my teacher wanted me to learn, so that's what I played. You're not cranking out Rachman enough, right? No, no, I never got to that point. Well, and like once middle school hit, I was like, I am done with piano. I don't want to do it anymore. Please stop forcing me to go to lessons. If I learn it right, there's certain like almost like you reach a plateau. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, this is my skill level. I will never right. Well, it's yeah. like I don't want to. I didn't want to pursue anything further. Okay. I was like, you know, I'm good enough here. I know what all of these notes are. I know my scales. Yeah. I've got all that. But then they were like, okay, if you don't want to play piano anymore, that's fine. You just have to choose something else. So I started playing clarinet because I liked the sound of it. <laughs> well, I think clarinet um, has that horn that's like the high. Isn't the high like the Tubas is like the low ones. Mm-hmm. Isn't the clarinet like the high ones? Yeah. Um, fun fact about the the normal B flat clarinet that most people know. Yeah. It's got like a four four and change range of octaves. So it you can play like a really low E, but you can also play four octaves higher than that. Oh. Okay. Which is kind of nuts for a wind instrument. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Do you still play it? No. <laughs> no. Well, I took lessons from middle school into high school, and then I couldn't keep my car on campus my freshman year. Oh. So it was just going to be too tough to 
try to get and back you don't want to leave lessons. instruments in the car here in minnesota no, no. especially one made of wood right like any kind of temperature change is going to make that crack and that's expensive to fix <laughs> but i think piano is a good start if you music mm-hmm. anywhere then that can i mean yeah i think even prince started with a piano and then you had oh yeah and then you learn and it becomes easier to learn other instruments when you start with piano. Mm-hmm. Well, like, piano, it's so much more visual. Like you can see the notes in front of you. You've got it all. And then it's just like this one, middle C, this is your home. Yeah. Home <laughs> you can live here and go anywhere. But, yeah, you know, and I think you know, I mentioned when Charlie McCann was here, the of composer. Was yeah. Like, I was talking like the Eddie Van Halen who did hard rock, but he, every time he come up with a song, on the guitar, he would go on the piano to see if it really transferred well. Mm. And if you played on the piano and it really sounded good, then he knew he had a good song. Yeah. So he tried it on a guitar first and like, eh, it's all right. Let me try it on piano first. And hey, it works. Nice. It's clean. It works. And sometimes you'll stay on piano. That's why I jump stayed on piano. I was like, I think it stays. We'll stay right here. All right. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Well, yeah, you got to play around with it. Yeah. See, see where its home is. I'm a drummer. Yeah. So, I, I have mad respect for drummers. I cannot, I can keep like two different beats at the same time, but that's it. <laughs> <laughs> you can't do three things at once? No. <laughs> I'm I'm way good. <laughs> I get a headache if I do that. Well, drum, yeah, drumming is like your every hand has its own brain. Mm-hmm. And then you got to figure out your feet, footwork, and then you got to be light foot. It's like an you octopus. Know. Got a lot of arms. Right. Yeah. But it's once you get into practice... Then everything comes naturally. But it, they, they, it took me about three years to be efficient enough. Yeah. I'm not a clever drummer. I'm pretty much basic. Like That's all right. Like Charlie Butts from Rolling Stones. So I'll just keep the 4-4. Four, four. And you guys you guys in front act all crazy. And I'll just <laughs> won't screw up. Well, lucky for you, there are plenty of songs in 4-4. Four, four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. You don't have to be all that clever. Right? It's true. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it's all about keeping rhythm and keeping everybody together. So starting with music... Yeah. Did with coming with acting, was this just a natural step or just something like I'm going to work at it or just something that I gravitated to? Yeah. Well, I mean, with music and being in middle and high school band and jazz band and all of that fun stuff, uh, it was kind of a natural progression into performing on stage and then being like, I could memorize lines. Like, I like movies. When I was a kid, I loved I loved watching movies and being like, I could totally do that. I like that. Yeah. I like that. I, I could do that. Yeah. Well, fun fact. <laughs> no, but I, when, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I was, no, go for like it. When I read comic books mm-hmm. and I see the drawings, I was like, I can do that. Yeah. I want to do that. And I can do that. And I'm still doing that. And yeah. That like the early yeah. Age, I mean, but, I'm I'm seeing this draft over here. It looks really awesome. Yeah. So I, I yeah. think some people just know right away, like not being delusional. They're just like, I can handle that and I can do it. Yeah. Well, you know, when... When you're in grade school and all of these people are like, oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? And so many girls would be like, um, an actress. That sounds fun. <laughs> and I'm like, no, actually, that sounds it's awesome. Work. It's a lot of work. It, but it is a lot of work. Yeah. yeah. And once you start, then you're like, oh, wow. <laughs> this is this is a lot. This is a lot of work. Right but now. it's fun work, but it is a lot of work. Right. I think a lot of people think it's us. You come in there with... After, it's easy. Like, you just go yeah. in there and just say your lines. But yeah, just memorize a bunch of words. And I know a lot of people no. do voiceover work, and I have people that do voiceover for me, and, like, here's the par- it's a paragraph, and, like, we can just crank that. No, it's not going to – you can't crank it out in just overnight. 
Mm-mm. There's a lot of trickery to how you say things. So there's a lot of more things involved than you think. It's kind of, it's acting is deceivingly looks simple. Yes. Especially absolutely. On, especially on film because it's like very subtle. Mhm. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think that's that's where I like to live is in the really subtle nuanced yeah. things. Cuz that was a big thing when I was doing theater is that I would always need to be bigger and louder. Yep. And I'm not always that's not my default. <laughs> no, like Bill Cooper says it's, you know, stage is driving a bus and mm-hmm. then movies is driving a driving a golf cart. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a good analogy. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, jazz cart. hands. Yeah, and then you, when you're in the movies, like I'm here. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, we live right here. If you're ever interested, one of the best scenes I think about real good subtle acting came from The Deer Hunter. Ooh, okay. A Robert De Niro came is coming back home from the Vietnam War, and he's has PTSD, and he's kind of fidgety, mm. not really settled in. And then he comes home and the, to Meryl Streep, who he kind of they kind of like each other, but they're not going to get together. Oh, sure. And they have a Hate great when that acting scene together because she knows he's uncomfortable and she's there. It's just the subtleties. And he's constantly, every time they're, he's looking for an exit, like, where can I flee? Mm. Even though he's been the hero of the whole town and everything. Yeah. But it's a wonderful scene to, to, to watch them, too, who are just marvelous at subtle acting. Sure. Robert De Niro, Meryl Streep. There's this wonderful scene of them, come, that little, and it's in, shot like in a trailer. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Yeah, I'll have to add it to my list. I actually do have a list. You do have of a list? Things, of things that I have been recommended that I should watch. Well, I'm not going to rank, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Unless well, you, yeah. Well, and, I mean, especially with lockdown, I was like, I have all this time on my hands because outside <laughs> is dangerous. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what should I watch? So I have been catching up on quite a few things. Well, good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think especially your... Um, a little bit younger, it's like, what do I see before, you know, older movies, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So I think Your Deer Hunter is one of those that I think it's going to be really great. It's one of cool. those movies that it's funny because it's almost like the first hour takes place in 24 hours. It's like nobody goes to bed. It's oh, sure. one of those sure. things of like mov- movies have a displace of time. Like time is so subjective. Like things, oh, yeah. you could talk about something that happens in a half an hour in a one and a half hour movie, right? Mm-hmm. Or sometimes it's just... Time is irrelevant. What it was a year, date, what you know, something like that. So yeah, like we don't know. <laughs> we don't it's okay. <laughs> so it's almost like we say with movies, it's in between when you're wide awake and when you're really, really asleep. It's that sliver moment where you're not really asleep, not really awake. That twilight area that I think dreams are part of, where it's like magical, but it still dips into reality a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, very cool. <laughs> I like that. Well, I think everybody thinks movies have to be set in reality. They always critique the logic. Like, that doesn't make sense. It's like, in the movies, it does. Yeah, suspend your disbelief. Yeah. Just enjoy. Yeah, Willow's got to take the baby across the journey. You know? Yeah. Oh, well, with Willow, there's magic in there. Like, you got to... Yeah. Magic doesn't exist in the real world. No. That we know Sadly, of. Sadly, no. I that wish. we know of. <laughs> that we know <laughs> Yeah. Somebody's got to crack the code on that, I guess. <laughs> so where do you keep your list? On your phone? Yeah, it's on my phone. I have a little notes app. I'm just like, it's from th- this recommendations from this person. It's on this streaming service. So what, do you remember what movie really you gravitate to when you were younger? Yes. Well, um, my first favorite movie ever, yeah. which is still, it still holds up, is uh, the first Jurassic Park movie. 
Oh, yeah. 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 And my parents could go on and on about how I had all of these dinosaur toys. And I had this one that was like, a, it was this big puppet. <laughs> and it had these wiggly arms and big teeth. And it was really gross looking. But it was like a velociraptor. And I would sleep with it. <laughs> like, instead of a stuffed animal, I had that. So, if you need to know who I am as a person, that's where I started. <laughs> like, four or five years old. We have that, you should have that shirt that's like, I'm tired that grown-ups never ask you what your favorite dinosaur is. Right? It should be on your, on your questionnaire for a job application. And what's your favorite dinosaur? You should fill it out. Yeah. I do have mine right by the TV. It's like a Spinosaurus. Oh, Spinosaurus. Look at that yeah. fin. I like <laughs> that spine. <laughs> I like, well, I like Spinosaurus because it was in Jurassic Park 3. Mm. But also, there's a huge debate in um, the historical, you know, the academics, if it was just for fishing or if it was a land hunter or aquatic hunter. Oh, sure. So they think maybe that was just the fins was able to fish underwater. Mm-hmm. Or I maybe it was just to radiate heat and there was a big fan and it hunted on land. But we don't really know for sure. Yeah. So there's a big debate about what, what it really did. And I'm kind of the, it probably was an aquatic hunter. Just sat I, in the river and just ate everything. Yeah. Well, it has a very powerful tail. So if it needed to swim, it right, looks yeah. pretty aerodynamic. But then it's got big old legs and really nasty looking claws. <laughs> well, did you watch the Netflix did the whole behind the thing of the making of Jurassic Park? Oh, that. I haven't seen that. Oh, it's wonderful. Sam Sam Neill's like, well, how how did you get involved? He goes, somebody says Spielberg's making a movie about dinosaurs. There's not much to ask, is there? <laughs> It's a good answer. <laughs> <laughs> and then he was oh, so. Well. And then Sammy was so abusive to the kids in the movie. He was yeah. tricking them like, "Oh, I'm electrocuted! Ah, fooled ya!" <laughs> so rude. It's so rude. Like as a kid, I would be so mad. <laughs> <laughs> I think when I came, I was a teenager when it came out. Yeah. So I was so used to Spielberg already, but it starts out as a horror movie. That's <laughs> that's for kids to watch the beginning of that, mm-hmm. and you don't really see anything. But it's like, oh my god. Oh, but they set the mood. They set the mood, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's what I like about Spielberg is he gets his action out first. Usually with his like those kind of movies, get your action out first and then settle into the story. Yeah, you gotta do something. Like, gotta you know, draw. Indiana in. Jones has to get something and start the big action, and then you can settle the story down a little bit. Yeah. The inciting incident. Yes. Yeah. The inciting incident. Right? <laughs> so, what's up with you recently? And now you're doing another Z Fest. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um. Well, ramping back up into Z-Fests, because before the pandemic, I did several in a year. Like, some people joked that I would be the control element that year, (laughs) which is hilarious. (laughs) You would be the barometer, right? Yeah, but at the same time, I'm like, that's that's a lot. There are, you know, dozens of teams that sign up every year. (laughs) Well, yeah, if anybody didn't know Z-Fest is you you get a team to compete. Mm -hmm. So you get your... Team, cast, and crew, that's your team. And then you get your product out there and see if you can win. So it's, yeah. It's a contest. Yeah, it's really fun. Uh, films can't be any shorter than four minutes, any longer than seven. That's so excruciating. Yeah. I mean, even just the extra minute I hear would help a oh, lot. Oh, it would help so greatly. <laughs> but I'm always in front of the camera, so I'm like, I, I'm so sorry. I don't know how to help you. <laughs> <laughs> so well, the last time I saw you was with uh, Jason Schumacher's film. With yeah. With The Grieving Bunny. Yes. Oh my gosh. That was, it was a cold day. Yeah. It was a cold day. It was a long day. We started pretty early. Yeah. Well, that was mid-March last year when we shot that. Yeah. Uh, It was just warm enough 
that we could stay outside and not really have to go inside and warm up. But you could see your breath. <laughs> like it, it was enough. <laughs> we didn't. You didn't CGI that. That was authentic. Yeah, that was. <laughs> so what you doing? What's the new one that you're in now? Uh, so the we new can one. Talk about it. I don't know. There yeah. are some strict regulations, but um, whatever. <laughs> I'm like, whatever regulations. I don't know what those are. <laughs> Rules. What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> um, so the film that I am starring in for this Z Fest is called Etiquette Now. And it is a parody on Apocalypse Now, the the classic. I oh, I know Apocalypse. Yeah, Coppola. like nineteen seventies, late seventies, late seventies. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So we're taking you know a almost three hour long movie and, you can make <laughs> and condensing it, like, it into seven. seven minutes, and then you're gonna probably do some famous lines of it. Oh, of yeah. course, yeah. yeah, yeah. But instead of it being actual warfare, it's uh, about manners, chivalry. Chivalry. Mm-hmm. It's almost like Downton Abbey. You got to have etiquette rules. Oh yeah. Etiquette now. Yeah. Did you? I, did you have to costume up? It's like a time Victorian. I'm thinking mm-hmm. like a Victorian kind of a thing, or no, just modern. Yeah. Well, we went a little more noir with it, so it's all oh, kind of twenties. Then we're done. Yeah. I'm, right. I'm a. It's best. It's the best movie right now. Thank you. Buy your tickets now. Everybody's gonna be flocking to the theater for it. If you're gonna parody <laughs> Apocalypse Now and do a noir style, you got me sold already. Awesome. Love it. Yeah, I I had really great costumes for it. Um, the I had two outfits. The first one, I mean, they're both actual vintage, first off. Nice. Yeah. Which is hard to come by these days. Uh, the first one was from our costumer, Cynthia Schreiner-Smith, who also yeah. acts in the film, too. She's, she's fabulous, you guys. And we all know <laughs> around the Twin Cities she has some costumes. Oh, she's got... She's... Yeah. I haven't seen The Basement... But she says it is full of stuff. Yeah. Like costumes, props. Yeah. I've heard. <laughs> I know, They're like, legends. Yeah, it's like the classic 1950s MGM, you know, just full, right? Just mm-hmm. full of everything. Yeah. That, that's what I have in my head anyway. <laughs> Someday I'll see it. So you get to be, it's nice in a seven minute movie, you're able to do multiple costumes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then the second outfit, which I wear for most of the film, is a 1940s suit that I actually got off of ebay <laughs> but it is true vintage it's this beautiful wool gray suit pantsuit no it's got a skirt okay it's a skirt suit okay. yep skirt blazer and then i have like a, a modern day shirt under it well i'm sure you can pull both of them off yeah you do a pantsuit oh i totally could yeah <laughs> <laughs> but it's noir that's not, that's fun mm-hmm. yeah. oh it was so much fun because like the makeup the hairstyles i just love that era for that I know. It fits right in. That's why I love Noirs is my favorite style. Yeah. And we can debate if it's a genre style, but I just love it. <laughs> and I love, like, the, what I also like about Noirs, the guys are so, every all guys are so stupid. <laughs> They're just so dumb. A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> and the girls are so, well, the women are so conniving. Oh, yeah. And so schemery. Well, that's the thing. So, it's like when when people don't take you seriously, you can get away with a lot of stuff. I know. <laughs> My favorite is Double Indemnity and Barbara Sandwick, and she's mm. been sunbathing, so she just has a towel on. Mm-hmm. You don't really know what she, maybe she has her, maybe she has a bikini on. We don't really know for sure, but she yeah. has a towel on, and she walks down the steps to meet Fred McMurray. And she has an ankle bracelet, and he just watches the ankle bracelet, and we just know right there he's done for. <laughs> it's that ankle bracelet. He's done. Yep. <laughs> she can do anything, and then right. I love it. Just that's, say your goodbyes now. Say your goodbyes now. That's why Noir, Noir uh, Nightmare Alley was my favorite movie last year. Oh, and that's one that it's 
on your list. on my list. Yeah. <laughs> One, I have no excuse. Like, I have all of the streaming services, or most of them, like the, the big ones. I just have to watch it. Well, you're probably like me. Should yeah. watch this I've seen 10 times already or right. something new, but like, I'm in the mood for this. I've seen it already 10 times before. I need my comfort show. <laughs> comfort show. Yeah, like I know what's going to happen. Well, I was a kid in the 80s. My comfort is slasher movies. That's oh, sure. So. Yeah. Blood, gore, please. Thank you. I know my wife <laughs> would like come out and like chainsaws noises and, ah! like, what are you watching? It's like 2 a.m. Summer Party Massacre 4. What? I know. They made four. I can't believe it either, but I'm going to watch <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> you won't believe the outcome. It's a slumber party, and guess what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Someone gets hurt. That's why I like slasher movies from the 80s. The titles are pretty straightforward, like what's going to happen. Yeah, here you yeah. go. <laughs> I know. It's like Terror Train. Whoa, what's it about? Well, guess what's it about, right? Mm-hmm. I'm guessing it takes place on a train. You did, what? Am, I, am I good? Yeah. <laughs> And it's not that, that nobody's going to come out alive. It's water. Yeah, pretty straightforward. So the etiquette Super fun. now. Yes. And then it's a parody. Parodies are tough because you have to shoot that legit. Like you're making a serious movie. Mm-hmm. That's, parodies are really tough to do. Yeah. Well, you have to buy into the, the scenario that you're going for. You can't yeah. play to the joke, which is a big mistake. <laughs> I know. It's hard to, to do comedy on film because when you say the joke, nobody on camera is going to laugh. Because if you, if you laugh, you're like, you ruined the take. Yeah. I'm like, all right, back to one. <laughs> that was funny. Why didn't anybody laugh at it? was. We, it's a, yeah. <laughs> you got to hold that in. <laughs> I know. I did that one time I was on a, I was PA on a comedy and somebody did the joke and I was like, <laughs> damn it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Just go into the other the room. the just point the finger like, get out. out. Right. <laughs> out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have to do yeah. that even as an actor sometimes. Where it's like, I can't watch the monitor if it's somebody else's scene being filmed and it's, you know, they have to land a one-liner or something. I'm out. I don't want to ruin the take. I want to watch. I don't want to. But. Are you comfortable seeing yourself, though? Yes. I know a lot of people aren't, but I get really, like, type A analytical. And I'm like, why did I make that choice? Or like, oh, that actually really paid off. I'm glad that that worked. Sometimes it's like a little surprise. Like, I can do that? Yeah. That's what it looked like? What oh, wow. <laughs> That's me? Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's I'm always studying. I'm always like... Well, it's, it's just fun seeing your work come to life. Because on set, you know, there's all of this gear around you and there are all these people making everything happen. Yeah, and the camera's in your face sometimes and you're like, I can't see anybody. The lights are like, anybody there? Right. It's, mm-hmm. it's like, I don't know how this is going because it's... It's how I relate it to it. It's almost like when you play golf. Yeah. And when you play, like, hole number one, and you're really intense on how you can win at hole number one and the little details. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, after three hours, you're, like, done. And you're, like, add everything up. And, like, oh, that's the whole experience. Yeah. And then when you're doing it, it's all the little details of, like, oh, I got to hit here. And hit here. So it's, it's almost like you forget, like, oh, yeah, we did an entire movie. Because sometimes you're, like, today we're just doing this. And you have to cry. And you're, like, you're so focused on that. Mm-hmm. And then the next day, like, okay, we're doing this. And you figure out that there's a whole ensemble at the end. Yeah. Like, oh, absolutely. Yeah. When being on camera, I mean, obviously you have to ignore the camera and just forget it's there. And the best way to do that is just to buy into your scene with your scene partner. Yeah. And just really be with them. Because then everything else kind of disappears. 
Right. And it's really fun to just like, it's kind of like time travel in a way. It's almost like, yeah, we've been doing this for eight hours. And you're like, what? We just got here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we got to go home. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Well, great job, everybody. <laughs> so I know with actresses. Yeah. And the last, like acting, because I've been a director too. I, and I always treat it like, let the, almost treat it like, let the costume do the work. Mm. And I think that's an important element, especially when you talk about costuming, that how you're going to really, really buy, you know, buy into it is costuming. Mm-hmm. And so how do you go with the process? Do you help pick it out or you kind of wear it and practice? Because I know costuming is such a big deal. Yeah. Well, and that was stressed heavily on me as a, a theater student in college was once we got our costumes, um, that's once we had them, that's all we would rehearse in. Nice. Yeah. yeah it does well, and, I mean, we would do a lot of period shows, so they would be, you know, like anywhere from the 20s to the 50s. So costuming is super important and very different from what you would wear modern day you know there's like pantyhose involved and you have to wear high heels and you have to wear a skirt so we would have skirts that we would rehearse in and then we would pick out our shoes immediately so that you could get used to walking around in them because for this character this is what they wear every day that's the other piece i was gonna always forget to mention that's very Mm -hmm. important is footwear yeah. Because it's, they talk about Shawshank Redemption. When's the mm-hmm. last time you look at a guy's shoes and he gets away with it, breaking out of prison? But yeah, exactly. I think that that's the first step, and especially when I design costumes, I, it's the last thing that you think about. But sometimes it's most important is the footwear, which you have to do. Oh, it can yeah. change the way you walk completely. Yeah. I mean, I'm wearing like combat boots today. <laughs> and I You're just, ready for battle for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could run. Like, I could sprint and run away from an attacker today. But. Obviously, I don't need to. <laughs> we won't I just like, that, right? Yeah. <laughs> <Not today. laughs> I just like wearing them. They're, well, my, my they're comfy favorite, for me. My favorite little thing about costuming and then yeah. footwear is with, when Heath Ledger did the Joker. If you notice his shoes, they have a, at the end of the shoe, it has an uptick like they're clown shoes. Oh, yeah. So they go a little bit up. But they're sneakers, but they have a little bit of go up at the end. Mm-hmm. Which, it's a little detail, but I think <sighs> helps greatly knowing that you're wearing silly shoes sometimes. And they're like multicolored shoes. Yeah, mm-hmm. little. Well, yeah. honestly, it's the little details that really flesh out a performance and a character. And what? I've I've always been about that. I mean, even the suit that I wear in Etiquette now, like the skirt itself, because it is vintage, it's pretty tight in the waist. And I mean, with COVID, I've put on a couple extra pounds, but whatever. Oh, who the hell does it right? <laughs> who yeah. hasn't? Who yeah. hasn't? But the skirt just fits. <laughs> like it's a little tight but it works you're not doing like that no no not quite but it, it's enough to like keep my spine straight okay you know right. and it really helped with my character because it's like i couldn't slouch oh right because otherwise it was super uncomfortable right you can't do that well leslie ann warren it. when she said she did clue with that green dress oh, at yeah. the end it was more pins than dress i, <laughs> I believe it right <laughs> Because yeah, I mean, after a while, you know, because you do that so many times, and the, the how many times you have to wear like every day for a month, and it kind of loses its elasticity. But yeah, it's yeah. kind of like boop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just uh, <laughs> wardrobe. <laughs> it happened again. So how did you get involved with Etiquette Now? Um, well, Bick Smith and Cynthia Schreiner Smith are good friends of mine, and we've worked oh, together yeah. before. Yeah. Um, and he's submitted many times, many times for yes. him and mm-hmm. her, yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I think the film that he had done last year, I did voiceover for. 
And that was one of those like <laughs> very much a COVID film where it was a very small cast and yeah. all, there are tons of voices involved, but you know, we all have little mic setups at home so we could just record at home and you. submit it that way. Nice. Yeah. Nice. And it's like, here's two lines. Give me a few reads. So did you like doing voiceover? It's super fun. I mean, I have some in etiquette now as well. Yeah. And I mean, it's one of those things where you you wish that you had a director with you. When you're doing voiceover by yourself, yeah. 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 I, it's my same gripe about self-tape auditions. Like, you don't have somebody in the room telling you, oh, let's try a read this way. This is more what the client's looking for. Yeah. So you just kind of have to guess. And no, I, like, and I agree with you. I don't think... Um, in-person auditions is it really going to go away completely because no. there's something you're missing. But I think some other things can be, Zoom can be submitted. But I think if oh, yeah. you, right. And I usually when do, I, I do, when I do auditions, I usually cast female first. Yeah. And then I sit with them to figure out what we want to do for the male leads. If you're going to do something, because I think you want to be comfortable with somebody you were working with. And yes. Like, not a complete stranger, but like, how about this person? What do you think you want to work with? So I usually, my basis is I would like first cast female mm -hmm. and then we go from there and then yeah. the female becomes part of the process too. I love that. Yeah. Well, and having been on a project where they had me precast, I got to be involved with the audition process. Yeah. It's super fun seeing that side of things and seeing how the casting process works. Cause as an actor, I've never had the chance to do that. It's always like you go in, you do your audition, and then you drive home thinking that you completely messed up in there and they're never going to hire you for anything. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. And, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you hear something, cool. If you don't hear anything, yeah, on to the next. On to the next, right. I, yeah. I always, I'm, my niece is doing theater. She's like, she's going to graduate this year. Uh, high school or college? Uh, high school. Nice. And I like my message is, you know, don't get comfortable with the word no, but understand that that's going to happen nine out of ten. Mm -hmm. Don't get comfortable with no, but to understand, just don't get just get familiar with it. Just understand that that's the nature of it. Yeah, and it's well, nothing and it's, wrong with you. There's just maybe something with your hair. Maybe I don't know the look. It's a style, a personality. You know, that's the want that you just didn't have. Yeah, casting is incredibly subjective, and you just have to learn that it's. At the end of the day, it's honestly kind of not about you. <laughs> it's about what the film needs, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, the thing is, everybody's going to bring something unique to the role. And yeah. it's not a bad thing. It's never going to be bad. It's just going to be what's going to play off of, or what's going to capture the story the best. Yeah. Because ultimately, it's the director's choice of yeah. what what their vision is going to be. And sometimes, if you have a like a really incredibly profound discovery in your audition or something and the director sees that and was like i never thought of it that way that's awesome and then they cast you then that's yeah. a really powerful connection you've made i know that's something like we didn't think about this for the movie but we have to you're doing so good we have to yeah. think of something to put you in you're right well right yeah, yeah. one just to change it up a little bit too because I know. You know, if you're, if you're just memorizing lines, then it's just lines. It's my favorite part of La La Land when she goes to auditions. And it's kind of a surreal thing because everybody's dressed the same and you do their same. And yeah. it's like, whoa, <laughs> it's weird. And Been to a couple of those. Yeah, it's like everybody <laughs> looks the same. Like, ah. Yeah. It like, is kind um, of a surreal atmosphere. And then you get thrown in and it's like maybe a couple minutes and they're like, bye. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, you have 
the, these many seconds. <laughs> yeah. What are you going to do with them? And I always, I always no pressure. Kind of retain myself that some people are really super awesome for the audition process. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't translate sometimes to movies. And some people are really good at movies. It doesn't translate to auditions. They're really bad at auditions, but get them in the movies and they're marvelous. Mm-hmm. And some people can do both. But you understand that even though somebody really hits an audition, the whole process you have to think about okay they won the audition but maybe that doesn't translate very well to the process of making a movie oh totally one i mean at the end of the day too it's like okay who are we willing to work with for you know anywhere from 10 to 12 hours a day depending on how long your project is right yeah like we're going to be spending a lot of time together are you going to be easy to work with (laughs) it is kind of a weird thing it's a very intense like intense relationship for like months maybe maybe weeks or months or maybe a weekend and then when you have a really intense relationship with somebody on set maybe you have a person with like you're you know intimate and then you go away bye yeah yeah well and for theater oh my gosh what a weird trip that is (laughs) where you're you're practically living with these people yeah for the whole rehearsal process and then for the show but then once the show is done bye yeah and you never see sometimes you never see each other again yeah. Well, sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> Other times it's like, oh, we're cast as a couple again. It's good to see you. Or, I don't, it's weird to see you again. <laughs> well, I do remember when they made Prince of Tides, Barbara Streisand and Nick Nolte. And mm. um, after the process, when they're interviewing her about her movie, she's referring to her as her partner, Nick Nolte. And then Nick like, no, we're not together. <laughs> She's still stuck in the movie era. We're, we're Scene just partner. We played a part. Yeah, she's still with it. So it was a big scandal. Like, she left her boyfriend for Nick Nolte when they made the movie. But she was just kind of like still part of the process of the movie. Like, my partner. It, it, mm-hmm. it became a big scandal when it came up. But, oh, my gosh. And you're like, no, I, she didn't leave who she's with for me, right? Right. And, yeah. Well, and uh, there was a show that I did in college where, uh, if anybody knows of Blythe Spirit. I don't. It's a Noel Coward, like, British comedy. Okay. Now, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's set in the 20s. And uh, it follows this writer named Charles. And he's writing this novel about seances and yeah. and such. So he decides to host a seance in his home with his new wife and, like, their neighbors and whatever. And this, like, very eccentric medium comes in and hosts the seance with them. And then... Uh, Charles's first wife, who died in an accident, comes back, and that's the character that I played. <laughs> but I'm, not, I'm just I'm I'm already understanding just talking with you. I just oh my gosh, be, you could kill it! Oh, yeah. it was so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> it was my senior thesis, which is why I retained so much of it. Um, but my director had me wear a wedding ring and just get used to it. Yeah. It's, it's one of those kind of costume pieces. Where you just have to get got to use get used to it to just be familiar, even though it doesn't yeah. doesn't really translate on stage, but it's part mm-hmm. of you and it helps. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I mean, if you're going to wear one on stage, you don't want to be fiddling with it like it's something new. No, I because that's usually like, oh, somebody is having regrets, or you know, like, mm, wish I wasn't married. It's the first thing, right? When for acting class, the first thing is, what are you gonna do with your hands? And then oh you think, like, oh my god, what do I, I got hands. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Once the script goes away, you have this really awkward couple of rehearsals where you're like, uh, My hands. how long have these been here? <laughs> and then you have to figure out, okay, well, be a, a normal human being. <laughs> you use, I you use your hands with, all the time. Like, 
if you ever watch Cary Grant, he's mm. also he's very stage about. And then he, you know, first thing he learned about his hands. But if you watch him now, he's so adamant about hands. Maybe they're up, maybe they're down, but they're maybe they're way or like the. Mm-hmm. The first thing he does when he's like when he does a scene is like, where should my hands be? Mm. He even asks like Alfred Hitchcock, where should my hands be? That's fair. <laughs> Am I wearing something, doing something? Because it's I think it's once you get that habit, right? Well, sometimes you just have to find, like, a piece of business to do. Yeah, or hold something. Yeah, like holding something. Like, there was one scene that I did where I never lit the cigarette, but it was, like, preparing to smoke a cigarette. Yeah, where it's like I had this little, you know, little case of cigarettes. Yeah. Playing with that for a little bit, maybe take the cigarette out, kind of gesture with it as I'm talking to somebody, Mm -hmm. maybe addressing the audience even. But then the scene's done. What do you do with your hands? What do you do with your hands? <laughs> Put that away. Go off stage. So yeah, I think that's if you're a writer, like I, you know, writer, film director. I think even though you're going to stick to those disciplines, I think it's very much important to take an acting class because that's yes. what actors are want to know: is what I'm going to do with my hands, what I'm going to do with my mark, what are my costuming, and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So even if you're going to be a writer, uh, writer, director, and you're not, you never want to be in front of the camera. I think it's encouraging to at least take the introductory course of acting to know where you guys are coming from. Oh, absolutely. Well, and I'm pretty sure that there are classes that are specifically acting for directors. Yeah. I don't know where they are. <laughs> I know they exist. Oh, don't make me Google. Tell them. <laughs> tell me. Oh no, I yeah. honestly don't know. No, there, no, right? Yeah, there's yeah. art for understanding where you guys are coming from. Mm-hmm. Well, and. I think it just helps you get an idea of what kinds of direction actually help. Because <laughs> a lot of times when I'm on set and I get directions, it's very technical. It's like, oh, I need you to stand here. Or I need you to do this with your hands or whatever. But there needs to be like that emotional motivation. Yeah. And I mean, I know that's really cliche where it's like, what's my character's motivation here? <laughs> Motivation's key. It's yeah. key. And it, I think um... it's the spice of the, the story. And I think what helps, and we mentioned Spielberg, is Spielberg thinks two days ahead of shooting. Mm-hmm. And he's master at that. So he knows even if there's a problem for that day, he already figured out two solutions to that problem. Oh, So he already backups. thinks two yes. moves ahead. And he goes, Tom Hanks, goes, it's brilliant because you'll come to set and he goes, all right, in two days, we're going to have you cry. And you'll be over there and set. So he goes, I already had two days preparation to know that scene's going to, where I have to break down. And he's already figured that out. And we're not even on that day. Yeah. But it helps you so greatly. Like, oh, my God, I have to prepare for that. Yeah. Hey, heads up. <laughs> yeah, heads up. Which I, you guys are like, yeah, because they think you're just, just mechanical robots. All right, you're going to cry on set today. Yeah, get over there. Go. Well, and if an actor is forcing tears, yeah. it does not read well. No. <laughs> At all. No. Where it's like, you do have to kind of get that preparation yeah. before that scene. Like I've done a couple roles where I've had to just sit in a room by myself and listen to certain music for a little while and just get into that headspace where it's like, did you make like a little playlist for you? Self? Yeah. Okay. I have a playlist. That's like, good. I forget what I called it. I think it's called let it go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it's got some songs that I listen to after breakups and yeah. you know, just music that is really moving in a certain way. Right. Yeah. You have to have something because I think, Right, film directors that get too mechanical. Yeah. And it's just like playing the golf course. It's just stuck in the little little things and having to think about the whole big picture. And sometimes you have to understand that you're not just an accessory. You're actually a human being in front of the camera as well. Mm-hmm. Not just a got little, real feelings. Got real feelings too, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But this is great. We're going to take a little break and back more with 
Alora. Yeah. I got it right again. <laughs> well, hello, everyone. I am Billy Dees from the self-titled Billy Dees Podcast. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, and many more of the best podcast networks. Join me for my commentary and interviews. Follow me on Twitter, really easy to find, at Billy Dees. I am Billy Dees. I'd love to have you listen in. Welcome back. And now more with the show. All right, we're back more with Alora. So um, we're, during the break, we were talking about things outside of not working, like acting, even though that's not really working. But um, <laughs> you have a passion that's not related to uh, acting. Well, it's kind yeah, of related yeah. a little bit. It's a yeah, little not bit. directly. Not directly. But um, if you want to tell anybody, because this is kind of a surprise if people didn't know. Oh, yeah. The people that know are like, oh, I'm not surprised at all. all right. But uh, I really enjoy role-playing games, like tabletop role-playing games, D&D. like D&D. Mm-hmm. And then how do you, you I, mean, I think you off when we started, you said you started in college. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Which I know is a little bit later uh, than some people, but uh, my boss from the theater scene shop uh, is a huge D&D guy, um, like kid of the 80s. <laughs> Well, like, played yeah. D&D when it wasn't cool, when the satanic panic was oh, like, yeah. a whole we, thing. We, mm-hmm. If you buy, had to buy the book and everything at Schinder's, it was like tucked in the corner. almost had to ask for it. It wasn't like out in the open. And, you know, people <laughs> did it in their basements. It's like, yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah. Like, it's it's some illegal substance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it's treated like, like mm-hmm. you go yeah. down there in a the dark alley, you knock three times, they're playing D&D. Yeah. <laughs> do, you have a, do you have that copy of the Dungeon Master's Guide? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but speaking uh, of which, that's why I like if you explain to me how to get to a, a good restaurant like that, then I know it's really good. Go down that dark alley, knock three times, good food. Then you know it's good. Right? Yeah, well, there are some speakeasies in St. Paul and Minneapolis that are like that. Oh yeah, yeah. Yes, where it's I like know. you have to know the password for the day. Mm-hmm. My brother-in-law works at a speakeasy, and the password mm-hmm. changes every day, and you have to figure out how to how do you can figure it out, and you have to wear and it's. Formal oh, like wear. Dress code. Mm-hmm. Dress code too. So not only you have to know the password, you have to wear formal. So all yeah. right, but D for you. Yes, D for me. I know. Uh it's just so funny how I f- kind of fell into it. Cause well, I mean, well, I went to uh St. Catherine University in St. Yeah. Paul, which is all like an all women's university. Like they're yes. not really cisgendered men that go there. <laughs> no. Um, but it's all all female college. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um so all of my coworkers were women. And there's just, you know, this nerdy guy who grew up in the eighties. But it's an adventure. Like, hey. The enticing thing is it is an adventure. There's a yes. story to it. Yep, there's a story. You have a character, you have motivations as that character. You have things that you're good at, you have things that you're not good at. And it's almost like choose your own adventure a little bit. Like you mm-hmm. can go here or you can go here. Yeah. A little yeah. Bit. Well, and like there's like a general storyline that goes on, but 
as the players, you get to dictate like, oh, we're going to take a right turn over here into this land that maybe the the dungeon master did not really prepare for as much. (laughs) So then it turns into improv and that can be its own adventure. Yeah. Do you do you do you have you been dungeon master? I have. Yes. Yes. I know. (laughs) Nice. Um, my first game that I ever did, I played, or I ran it on Roll20 because it was during the pandemic. So your dice has 20 things. Yes, yeah. So there's, um, for a lot of these RPGs, you have a certain set of dice. And you have one that's a four-sider, you have six-sider, you have two ten-sided dice that are like your percentiles. So one is the one's place, one is the ten's place. Yeah. You have your D12 and then your D20 and your D8 as well. Um, and they all serve different things. So, and it's all determined by your character sheet. Like there are certain weapons that you roll for damage with a certain die and et cetera. Right. Cause it's, <laughs> if I remember the one time I played in D&D, there's like, a, you get a little pamphlet about a little bio about who you are mm-hmm. and like the weapons you're really masterful at or you can acquire like, oh yeah, then that elevates your ratings and gets you better and something. Oh, you acquire this and you're not really good at it or you lose battles and stuff like that. So yeah. it gets very, very detailed. Mm-hmm. It's Yeah, and there are some people who are very rules-oriented and end up arguing over rules instead of actually playing, <laughs> which is a little pet peeve of mine. Uh, I just, I like going more for the story than anything. Right. And I love the, the dungeon master or game master. I usually say GM. Um, <laughs> general manager. <laughs> Uh, I love it when they're like, tell me what you want to do. And then you come up with something really cool or or just really complicated. And then they figure out the mechanic. It's like, okay, well, you're, you're going to have to roll an acrobatics check for that or something. Yeah. And even if you're really good at it, you can still fail. No, that's right about um, games is that the, the balance between luck and skill. Yeah. And then if you can balance that out really well, that sometimes you'll be really skillful and then still fall or you, sometimes you can just fail up yeah yeah <laughs> somebody like overreaching and then they suck and they're like oh i just kept the the mount my mount balanced and i'm, I'm winning here mm-hmm. yeah. or it's like how did you roll a natural 20 on that because if you roll a 20 on your d20 that's a critical success like you did so well you're impressing everybody <laughs> <laughs> yes you like slaughtered your opponent or whatever so you got it like a little club that you guys meet once a week or you just random get together, kind of like poker nights almost? Yeah, like when we can. Um, my in-person game is usually every other week, yeah. give or take. And then I have a, a virtual game that I do. Cause, oh, okay. Yeah, well, that I, I don't run any of these games. I've only run games like mm, three times now. <laughs> it's stressful. You just get in your bearings. Yeah. One, I <laughs> mean... It's, right, you got to recruit and you got to... Plan it all out, every characters and all that stuff. So it's, yeah. it's a lot of a lot of world building. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's also really intimidating playing with people who have played longer than I've been alive, <laughs> 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 because they have yeah. like decades over me, usually. Where I'm like, okay, no pressure, but I have to, I have to have a game that they're also going to enjoy. <laughs> so I, I get a little perfectionist about it, but. Uh, I mean, if you're with good people, they just want to play the game and roll the dice and have a good time. Like, they want you to succeed as well. It's not just like somebody sitting back and being like, this game sucks, and here's why. (laughs) That's kind of like my old man hockey league. 
Yeah. Be, we got to be older than 40 to play into it. And if you take it serious, we're, we, you're out of it. Yeah. Like, why are you here? Yeah. Why are you here? And then we always have female goalies. Nice. We, and we pay them because it's, the equipment's really expensive. So we pay them to come play with us. And we have female goalies. But we also get a laugh because they laugh at us. Like, you guys look like you're playing in slow motion. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, yeah, this is my fastest speed, okay? So, yeah, we it's dangerous get out here. goalies and they're like, oh, my God, it's so easy to, like... They're just like, I'll just lay here and then see if you can get it above me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Just the, like smack talk on the rink. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> Nothing funnier than a female goalie and you're on a breakaway going, <laughs> look at you. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, you're trying so hard. This is so cute. <laughs> yeah. Good for you. You know, I wouldn't have done that, but. <laughs> we have a, well, to share my story, we have one female goalie. She's a mom. Yeah. And she's like, my kids cannot get, still can't get away, get a goal on me. And they're still mad. And I still <laughs> in your face. And even though they're like eight and seven. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they're like, Mom, come on, just let me score once. No. Mm-mm. You got to earn oh, it. She's, she's telling like, if you know, like practice with Nerf balls and down the basement, they have a little net and she'll play goalie. And she's like, if you can score yeah. me, you can go to bed late. You can stay up. And they try so hard. <laughs> like knowing they- that they can't. <laughs> sneaky, <laughs> sneaky parenting. Right. <laughs> So without D&D and acting, is there anything else that kind of fills up? I kind of know from, you like, traveling. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know when it's safe to, yeah. Right, when it's safe to. I, I sit here knowing that my passport has expired <laughs> and I need to update it. Um, but yeah, I love I love traveling. Um, the last plane that I took was down to Arizona to visit friends, which was yeah. really nice. because I it love was, Arizona's airport. It's yeah. super easy friendly. Well, we we landed in Phoenix. Yeah, the is that sky, the is that the one? Sky one. It's massive, but it's so easy. Mm-hmm. You can't. It's not like O'Hara or Minneapolis oh where gosh. you can get lost and cramped and everything. It's spacious yeah. and it's just easy to get to. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was a really nice respite because it was mid November when I went. And it's still like eighty degrees. Yeah. Like the toilet water can still like burn your butt. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you're doing toilets right <laughs> at that point. Um, yeah, but it was just super nice. And of course, up here in Minnesota, it was like blizzarding. I'm like, oh, that sucks. Oh, that's that's too bad. Yeah. Where you're down in Arizona is like, I remember when I went there, I went there for a spring break. So it's like April. And I'm like, what's the mm-hmm. score to the store? And it's like maybe that 10 minute walk. And I'm like, no, we can't do it. You'll die. Mm-hmm. By the time we get to the store, you're going to order all the bottled waters in there. So you have to like, even though it's a 10 minute walk, you still have to drive there. It's so hot. Yeah. Well, and like we did a, a hike up to Sedona or in Sedona, not up to there. Right. In Sedona. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's like yeah. a two hour drive from Phoenix ish. Yeah. And like my friend who lives there, she was like, you need to bring like at least this much water. At least <laughs> you'll need it. Yeah. Cause the number being here in Minnesota, we're not really acclimated to that. Mm-hmm. Like that's the shock to. Yeah. Well, and like our blood up here is just thicker, you know, because it's cold all the time. I'm used to being sexually violated by the winter wind. You right. Just get, it, you just, it's like. Like it gets into your pores. Yeah. And you just feel your face freeze. I know. That first time it gets in your lungs, you're like you feel like it almost crystallizing. Like, oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. They feel like little shards. Yeah. Yeah. It wakes you up. Went, Better than a cup of coffee. <laughs> they just replayed um, Fargo on TMC. Oh, yeah. Fargo. And I still get a chuckle out of that. William Macy still doesn't know how to, 
you know, scrape your windows on the car. You don't go up and down. You go long, short, long, short. But in the movie, mm-hmm. he's going up. He's like, that's the, I remember everybody's like, that's wrong. <laughs> Incorrect. <laughs> Incorrect. Yeah. Well, and I just found out this year that the ridges on the back of the scraper are supposed to be for scoring the ice so it's easier to scrape off. And how old were you when you learned? <laughs> yeah. You know, literally. Like this year, 2022, yeah. is when I learned. It's My- fine. <laughs> You should have called me. My parents do the long goodbye. Do your parents do the long goodbye? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're pros at it. Oh, really? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, Yeah, where it's like, oh, by the way, like, da-da-da-da-da. And then you get on this whole other conversation. And, like, by the time you're actually at the door, (laughs) where you've had another, like, half-hour-long conversation. Stay the night. Right, yeah. Yeah. Why don't you just stay? It's dark outside. There it is. That's the minute. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cold. The long goodbye is... (laughs) My parents are masters at it because if, mm-hmm. if I'm over there, yeah, and I know I want to leave at six, I have to do like four thirty. Well, I have a long day. Yeah. Oh, come on, just... do like the thigh slap, like up, uh, well, gotta go. You know, that's kind of yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be you know. Oh, stay for a little more. One more, one more, and then yeah, it's like you don't have to go yet. And then they like treat you like, do you need food? It's yeah. like I'm forty years old. <laughs> no, I'm Take good. Take this hot dish. Take yeah, it. yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're we had we made too much. Yeah, like please take it. Like, my dad's latest thing is he's been making um, muffins. And it's like, just take a couple home. Here's a paper bag. Yeah. <laughs> like, you got to because if you don't, you're like, what's wrong with them? Yeah, right. What's wrong with you? Yeah. What'd you put in here? <laughs> Are they bad? Too much salt? What happened? What's their story? <laughs> do you like, do you do cooking? Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of prep and cleanup. And that's the part that kind of bogs me down sometimes yeah, but yeah, yeah. but I, I do like it i'm the only one that can get fired out of the kitchen yeah i can't, I can't fire my wife out of the kitchen but if i'm <laughs> and if she comes in and she's sees what i'm doing she's like all right get out you're, nope that's wrong <laughs> but i can't do it to her and then when she's done she's like there's a mess in there go ahead <laughs> yeah well it's like if somebody cooks the other person cleans oh yeah that's our task mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's how it should be yeah well, like I don't, I don't mind cleaning up if I haven't cooked. No, I, you know, <laughs> I used to hate it as a kid. Yeah, well, that's great. Great therapy of crying and doing the dishes. That's great, you know. <laughs> but then you realize Just let it the, out. The, you realize the washer ends before the dryer, and so you re, then you want to be the washer, and then because I'll dry them, and then you realize the dryer is not done to the washer. Yeah, we had a good mm. conversation with my sister. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, really fun having siblings and trying to delegate tasks. Yeah. Do you have do you have brothers and sisters? I have an older sibling, yeah. Oh, you do? I do. Yep, Is- two years older. Um, also an October baby. That's a fun fact. So a sister? Uh, brother. Oh, brother. Good. Mm-hmm. You didn't have anybody steal your clothes. Like, if you had sisters Mm-mm. do, like, yeah. Well, I got a lot of the hand-me-downs still. So I, I think that influence translates good, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, it's also easier to have like more masculine looking clothing as a woman. <laughs> and honestly, I, I'm not I'm laughing because I agree with you. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, pants, shirts, like I had a lot of collared shirts as a kid. I mean, I, I did have more like feminine clothes eventually, too. But pink was an absolute no. I hated it. You really? couldn't. Oh, I would throw tantrums. Pink. pink. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. I mean, you're on a pink mic right now. I know. Well, I've grown to like it, <laughs> but it's still, it's not ever really my first choice, um, which really made my grandmother so sad. 
because she finally had a granddaughter. I'm the only one. And then you, and then you rejected all the... No pink. No pink. Mm-mm. What is the world? It, right? <laughs> what the world? Like, I'm not sorry about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a boundary that I had. I was like, nope, too girly. I'm comfortable with it now because when I work with students and realize when, when I work with boy students, if you have anything pink, they would never ask to borrow it. So I had a pink iPad. So they're never like, you know, ask me, can I borrow it? And they would never ask, right? Mm-hmm. Or I had a pink lanyard. They would never like touch my lanyard if they had a problem. They'll just... Oh, and then sure. I kind of grown to like it. Yeah. Pink because then kind of like off boundaries. Usually, usually, usually if a boy has a temper tantrum and they have behavior problems... Mm-hmm. Pink is still a good defense, but they'll still have a hesitation to even touch it. Oh, sure. <laughs> Psychologically. So if you wear something pink, they're still kind of like, mm. Mm. it's just a nice little footnote that I had. But I miss it. Yeah. I, when I worked in the teenagers, I miss in the hallway when the sisters walk by and it's like, oh, you said you were never going to wear that. That's my sweatshirt. Take it off now. Take it <laughs> <off>. <laughs> yeah. Luckily, that and was then, a problem that I never really ran into because I don't have sisters. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Everybody wishes they had sisters. But then you have that yeah. conversation in the hallway. You're like, Get, you stole my makeup again. I'm tired of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're dead to me. <laughs> You're dead to me. <laughs> yeah. No, never had that problem. But uh, the hand-me-downs. Yeah. What does your brother do, like, acting, too? Uh, we did one show together. Um, well, like, the Math and Science Academy is where I went to yeah. middle school and high school. So it was 6th grade to 12th grade. Oh. And I was in 7th grade, and uh, Nevin was in ninth grade. It's the one show we ever did together. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we weren't ever on stage at the same time. Oh, good. Yeah. All right, yeah. I'm sorry, you agree with that. Well, I mean, honestly, I... I kind of wish we could have. It's just like, it was, you know, the way that the script was. Like, his character was only in act one. I was only in act three. And I was an understudy in the show who ended up taking over a part because this other student was failing and couldn't do the show anymore. Oh, because his grades weren't up to par that they took that... Yeah, they were like, sorry, you're kicked out of the play. And then you were like, oh, that's too bad. Yeah, well, and then like three weeks before we opened... My director comes, like, sits next to me and is like, hey, you are Big Joe Maroney now. <laughs> Can you be memorized in, yeah. like, a week? <laughs> yeah. Can I have a pan attack first and then... Yeah. <laughs> well, and the other thing, and, I mean, if he listens to this episode, I'm not sorry about this, but, <laughs> <laughs> like, he tried to audition other guys for the role because it was, like, this kind of burly mob boss character. Okay. And the student who originally was playing it was kind of, like, husky and just had that presence and I was a 13 year old girl with braces and I'm not very tall either I'm five foot four no that's a big <laughs> shock right yeah right yeah so we ended up I mean since none of these other guys were really working out <laughs> for one reason or another I don't know like I wasn't involved in that process but once we actually got to me being that character we were like oh we're gonna hide your identity because we had headshots of everybody in the hallway. All right. All but right. then I had a little silhouette with E.D. Riley instead of actually putting my name there. So I was kind of like the big surprise of the cast. That's kind of fun. It was super fun. That's kind of, yeah. Especially as a like a young teenager who was still kind of figuring out what she wanted to do. Yeah. And was like, acting? Sure, why not? 
And then being cast in this when the director very famously wouldn't cast anybody younger than eighth grade. So as a seventh grader, I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, that's good. That, yeah, it felt that's, good. That's going to be pretty impressive. Even though it was like an understudy for most of rehearsal. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, OK, I have to know everybody's parts. <laughs> did you? Did you? I, I did have the entire show memorized. OK. But I feel like the entire cast did. <laughs> That helps also, right, yeah. 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 I mean, it was, <laughs> we had one actress who would mouth the other people's lines on stage, which is a problem. That's... It's acting 101. <laughs> don't. Maybe don't, because you're not supposed to know what they're going to say. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, when you're 13, 14, 15. Right, you have to do what you can get, yeah. Yeah. Like, you, you're you given some allowances. <laughs> There's some exceptions there. I do. That's why I liked uh, watching Mrs. Brown's Boys. Oh yeah, that's a British TV show where it's it's, it's, it's a guy, but he's playing Mama. Mm. But they do so many different, like maybe the, a bad outtake, but they'll show they'll show it mm. on TV. You know, like he's in the Mrs. Brown's at the dinner table, and then his daughter comes in and he's like, "You're early." Wait, that wasn't like, "No, you're early." I have a line before this. Want to try it again? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go back. <laughs> It's kind of Get back through that door. It reminds you it's still a TV show, but they really sell the emotional points too that make it really heartfelt. But it's still kind of fun. Like, you know, they'll say like, "You're Dylan." No, that's Dermot. You want to try again and keep the tears <laughs> and get it correct. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that but it makes watching Mrs. Brown Boys even more fun. It's, it's it recognizes it's still a TV show, but it's still kind of a comedy that's kind of it's not really yes. salacious but it's like I, the what they get away with still it's like wow it's kind of fun oh sure yeah no one of my favorite things is watching blooper reels or outtakes of any kind yeah. especially from older movies because they they always seem so put together in the film but then when you see the outtakes <laughs> and you see them kind of break out of character and then they're like no i've got it keep keep it rolling <laughs> like it's so relatable <laughs> Right, As an actor. You didn't realize that this had the same problems back then that, yeah. Oh, yeah. Where you're like, I can make a mistake. It's okay. You just yeah. start over. <laughs> that's the beauty of film. But nowadays you just go, well, that's one for the blooper. Keep it. Oh, yeah. You just say it all out. Yeah, one for the blooper. Or like when you're trying to save the line, even though you know you messed it up. <laughs> and then your sentence becomes like 10 times longer. <laughs> Well, you and I are kind of the same, like our mouths go faster than our brains. So yeah. sometimes we're just going to blow, blah, 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 blah. What did I just say? Yeah. I'm going to start again. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. another one of those where you're going to have people laughing off camera. <laughs> like, sorry, everybody. To share something funny, I, I sometimes have conversations in my head that I think I had conversations with my wife. Oh, yeah. So I'll, I'll just like, well, yeah, Kyle caught, talked about this and she's like, who did you talk to? I we did not talk about this. Did you have? What, yeah, did you I wasn't there. Conversation, Jed. That you think it was with me? Uh, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> or sometimes they'll be like, "Yep, I went from point A to point C, and I'm sorry that you were not along oh, for I point love that. B." <laughs> <laughs> it was like, a great I, ride. You just didn't. Yeah. Yeah, like that all happened in my head, and I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but I I do like to take the scenic route to explain things sometimes. Right. Yeah. I can just. My wife is a math teacher, so like, just give me the A to B, but. There's such wonderful details that you're missing if we take the scenic route to tell you about this. That yeah. oh, I'm already losing your interest, darn it. Dang it, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, I get that. I can be a little meandering sometimes. 
But I'm like, no, these are important details. <laughs> you have to enjoy it as equally as I do this story. right now. Yes. Would you ever think about doing writing yourself? Yeah, I would. Um, I've had a few friends that are like, why haven't you written something already? I've been talking with you last hour. Yes. Like, oh, I agree. Gosh. I'm in that camp too. Like, oh, yeah? Yeah. Cool. All right. I will I mean, I've got a couple ideas, but it's it's that whole like actually sitting down and putting words to page. Uh, to page. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, and, I mean, when I'm going through lines, I like to write them out. So I might just have in to- In your s- own hand? Yeah. Yeah. Because it's the act of like reading the lines- writing it and then saying it out loud it's like all of these different connections in your brain because you're using different parts at the same time yeah so it it helps you memorize faster that's a nice little trick i didn't think about that yeah free advice for anybody out there (laughs) if if laura's on your set she wants her own copy of the script yes right on there yep i will i will print out my own if you don't give me one (laughs) and i will write notes well i know judy dench every day she still remembers a poem should try to memorize a poem one poem a day just to re- retain how to memorize lines so every day she'll pick a poem and just try to memorize it for a few hours just to keep mm. her brain going that's really and smart she learned that in college like if you just realize one memorize a poem it helps keep your brain memory muscle memory keep going yeah you really, you well honestly memorization is a muscle you have to exercise like it's it's a skill and like the more you do it the better you get at it I hate you. Sorry. <laughs> well, and another another trick that I learned in college, um, when we were starting to get off book, like memorized mostly, um, our director would call us out when we would drop a line or like not know what the line was. She'd be like, you don't know what you're thinking here. And the, because you don't have that thought there, you don't remember the words. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of what the actor is doing is having that little monologue in their head of like attaching the emotions and the motivations to what you're saying yeah yeah. well because you can say the exact same words a totally different way and it changes the meaning i agree yeah yeah it's like oh i have to go to the store or well i have to go to the store you know it's it's a different feeling and it no it's it is a weird feeling because i've written many scripts and it's to see somebody else say the lines that you're written you're like i didn't think about that I didn't yeah. think of where the emphasis would be. Mm-hmm. And then that somebody already came up with that. It's marvelous. I love that. Yeah. Well, and it's fun to just play around. Like with film, a lot of times you don't get that opportunity to just rehearse and play around with the different reads. Yeah. Which I miss. That's, I mean, that's the theater kid in me. But I think I encourage that too. Is that You have to yeah. have a little more. It, has, it can't be so rigid. You have to have a little more play into it. Absolutely. I well, like and, a little bit of structure, but let's have a little more fun with it. And I encourage it sometimes too much. No. But, well, you know. the thing is, like, even during theater, like, runs of theater shows, you make discoveries all the time. Yes. Where it's like, oh, there's this little moment that I could have had this whole time, but I didn't realize it until, you know, rehearsal number 30 or whatever. And, yeah, yeah I mean, they're just moments that flesh out the story a little bit more, make your character a little more interesting. And, you know, it's for that one person in the audience who notices. <laughs> and it's like, my job is done. Even if the far back, if somebody far back realizes what you're doing, mm-hmm. you're up front. Yes. Yeah. As long as you're big enough, loud enough. Because <laughs> you got to play to the back of the house. <laughs> uh, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> across the street. Right. Yeah. 
My favorite story is when James Brown played the Apollo. Yeah. They would they would sell tickets even to across the street. Wow. He was that loud. Goals. <laughs> they just open the doors and they can hear him even across. They sell tickets just, just to stand in the sidewalk. Mm-hmm. And you can hear James Brown at the Apollo. Oh my gosh. <laughs> How cool. <laughs> I would I would pay for across the street tickets. I know I would too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm There's sure a market for it. I'm sure you weren't standing still either. I'm telling everybody. I don't think they were even standing still when they right, yeah. No, I mean I can dance and move around to songs stuck in my head. Like that I'm known as a very kind of bouncy person. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite my before we got, my favorite thing is Matchstick Men with Nicolas Cage and Sam Rockwell that play cons. Mm-hmm. And that one scene where Nicolas Cage is conning people on the phone, but you look in the background, Sam Rockwell cannot sit still. He's like, yeah, we're making money. <laughs> <laughs> That's not part of the script, but it's still in character. Like he's he's still getting jazzed about yeah, we're yeah. people. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's the thing is like, even if you don't have lines, you're not all of a sudden just existing in a vacuum. Like yeah. you're still in the scene. You still have stuff going on. Like you're still thinking of stuff. Yeah, this, I Maybe. love that. It's not in the script to the point that he's so, even Nicolas Cage is like, can you just dial it down? Just, Which is hilarious. If Nicolas Cage is telling you you need to dial it down. <laughs> <laughs> you need to dial it down. <laughs> 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 Well, I had a great time talking with you. Yeah. Laura. This is hey, fun. Thanks for having me. This was delightful. I think you should get your own podcast. Yeah? Yes. I think I'd, you should. What would we talk about? I don't. We, there's so many different things we could talk about. I know. From cooking to dining to traveling to writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I, hopefully I got you starting on all the other things. <laughs> you write down all the homework I gave you. Yeah. I've got a couple <laughs> things to watch. I have a podcast to start. You got a book. You got a script to write. I got to write a script. Maybe a couple. I know. Yeah. I mean, I have friends who write scripts just to keep writing things. You have to. Yeah. Yeah. And I just I have to do that. Like I'm a chronic journaler. Usually, That's I a haven't. Good start. I haven't journaled for a little while, but. That's a good yeah. start. Yeah. I take notes during my D and D games. About characters. Yeah. About like the story and what happened. So there, I am still actively writing. It's just about fantasy stuff. <laughs> well, they always say acting is never really, you're never really off. No. There's really no off season. No. I'm always taking notes. You're always doing something, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Laura, thank you for coming. This is wonderful. Yeah. It's nice to finally meet you and see you. Um, and definitely uh, we'll see you in Z-Fest with, um, uh, was it not Attitude Now? Um, etiquette now etiquette now you you had most of the consonants there there's my <laughs> dysgraphia right there all right yeah. so as you know it's not over to the guests say it's over i guess it's over guys there we go that's it <laughs>